On this episode of Two-Eyed Seeing, we'll be talking about culture and language and the important role that it has to play in our healthcare. Hello, Sago, and welcome. You're listening to Two-Eyed Seeing, bridging the Western and Indigenous understanding of health, healing, and life. I'm your host, Dr. Sarah Connors, naturopathic doctor and birth doula and knowledge seeker of Mohawk and European ancestry. Each week, I will be bringing you information about health and wellness from both perspectives so we can learn and grow together as we journey through life on this place we call Earth and Turtle Island. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Two-Eyed Seeing. As I mentioned, we will be talking today more in depth about culture and language and the important role that that plays in our healthcare. And I know many of you probably haven't really thought too much about the impact of culture and language when it comes to how we access our care unless you speak another language than English or French and arguably probably you even have some issues if you're predominantly a French speaker in Canada. The reason I wanted to bring this up is I feel that when it comes to so many things for our Indigenous communities in Canada and other places too but obviously I know Canada best being a Canadian is that there's really not this understanding and that's predominantly why I chose the name Two-Eyed Seeing. And for those of you who have listened to the episode with um, with my dad, with Dr. Ed Connors, he really got into more in depth the, the whole philosophy and principle behind how we as Indigenous see the world. And part of that worldview is based in our language, based in our culture, based in our traditions. And when you start to take those things away, then we start to feel very lost. And that was part of why when residential schools were instituted, the whole idea behind killing the Indian um, is usually one of the, the phrases that's commonly used in some of the documents that were recovered in the truth and reconciliation um, investigations is that that was the purpose. That was why they took children out of their communities, out of their homes and placed them in uh, these schools where they were taught by by the, the priests and the nuns and they were kept from their language, they were kept from their traditions, they were kept from their culture. Because if they didn't grow up learning their language and their culture and who they are, what their identity was, then you were effective in your strategies to effectively wipe out the indigenous populations. Because the next generation did not learn the culture, did not learn the language, did not learn the traditions. And that's what informs our worldview to a huge extent. If you ever have the opportunity to sit with our elders in our communities or speak to the elders in our communities, many of them mention the fact that they think from the language. If they if they grew up with the language or they were taught the language, that's 
where they think from. That's where they speak from. So many of the words and the terms that we know from English in particular, there isn't a direct translation from our Indigenous languages to the English because part of understanding something comes from our culture, our traditions, and how we live. Certain words and concepts we didn't have, we didn't have a solid foundation for those things. And when we're understanding a concept, you're understanding it from the from the basis of your culture, from the basis of your language. And we know this because there are certain words and phrases and concepts that don't translate easily from one language to another because there are these inherent inborn differences that ingrain in us and really change how we think and how we understand things. And this is the same thing, well, it's not even the same thing, it's, it's still true today. So even for those Indigenous who don't necessarily speak our languages, but are learning to recover our language and relearning to, um, to understand from those perspectives, you know, it's, it's all part and parcel of that. And to not recognize that that's part of who we are as Indigenous and not to recognize that that needs to be part of the conversation when working with Indigenous communities really doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And I'm not saying that every you know, healthcare worker or individual who interacts with the Indigenous communities needs to be able to speak that community's language. There's so many different Indigenous languages and to be honest, I don't, I'm not a native speaker of my language. I don't speak Mohawk. I, I'm gradually learning some of the words and I definitely have a, a desire and a goal to learn more of my language and maybe even, no, I, I do hope to be able to speak it in, in my lifetime. However, the point I'm trying to make here is that that really does make a difference in how Indigenous tend to see the world and, and our, where our worldview comes from and understanding that when you start to learn about our languages, so much of our languages are inclusive. They talk about the community. They talk about us as a whole. They talk about Mother Earth. They talk about all of these concepts being very intertwined. Even if you look at the Churawampum, which is the basis of the first treaty that we know of in North America, in, and again, if you go back to the episode with uh, Dr. Ed Connors talking about the concept of two-eyed seeing, he goes into this a little bit as well. As long as the grasses are here, the waters flow, we travel down the river together. Is is a very, very <laughs> shortened summary of that. And so it's this idea of, of sharing, this idea of inclusivity, this idea of inclusion and doing things as a whole for the betterment of the whole. And this is where some of these concepts of making decisions from our seven generations before us and thinking of the seven generations that will come after us. Again, it is not just this sense of personal responsibility, but this idea of responsibility for the community, for the whole, for everyone. And so 
when we're speaking to Indigenous and we're speaking to Indigenous individuals in communities and working with them in healthcare settings, these are things that we need to be thinking about. These are things that need to cross our mind if you really want to genuinely connect with our Indigenous individuals. Because if you do not, you're just, you're not going to, you're not going to have that connection with them. And that's where a lot of our Indigenous feel that they have trouble seeking out health care in a lot of situations because they still feel stigmatized. They still feel looked down upon. They still feel that they're being treated as less than or other. And unfortunately, you don't have to dig very long or hard or far to find concrete recent examples of this. The one that I'm thinking of off the top of my head right now is not that long ago. There was the case of, I'm forgetting her name right now, but an Indigenous woman in Quebec where she went into the hospital to seek care and she was genuinely having a health crisis and the nurses were treating her as if she was less than. They were talking as if she was high on drugs or that she had been drinking. There was this assumption about who she was and that she didn't care about her health because she was an Indigenous person. This still happens in our present day healthcare. It's not just a fact of the past. It's not just, oh, residential schools happened then, they don't happen now. There's instances of racism and misunderstanding and mistreatment happening all the time everywhere in Canada. And if you don't think that's happening, then I really encourage you to actually take a look around. Look up the story um, on Google or wherever about the, the woman in Quebec. Uh, look at some of the crazy things happening not that long ago in Thunder Bay. There's a really, really good series on Audible called The Seven Truths that was done by a Métis journalist. And it's a really, really good series. It talks about all the different things going on in and around Thunder Bay. Not just Thunder Bay. I'm not saying that Thunder Bay is the only place in Canada. It's just that's where she focused that series. But even I learned some things in there. And so the point I'm trying to make here is I really encourage you to educate yourself and understand where some of our Indigenous are coming from. That this has been their experience for most of the last, you know, 100, almost 200 years since first contact. That we're still being treated as less than. We're still being treated as if we're other, as if we don't matter. So if you're wondering why your Indigenous patients are scared or timid or your perspective may be that they're lying to you because they're omitting information, it's because they are genuinely afraid of what you will do with that information. They are afraid that you will somehow turn it around and use it against them. So if you are serious as a healthcare provider about connecting with your Indigenous patients, with making a difference in the Indigenous communities, you need to be aware of these kinds of things. You need to be aware of where this comes from 
and why I started from the perspective of talking about the culture and the language is because that is so much a part of who we are. If you can learn a few phrases, if you can learn a few words, that will go a long way in demonstrating very quickly that you are someone that could potentially be a trusted ally in our healthcare, in how we seek out services. And I hope that that's part of the reason why you chose to listen to, to this podcast, to this episode, is that you are serious as a healthcare provider, as, as an individual even. Obviously, I speak more from the healthcare perspective, being a naturopathic doctor and interacting with and alongside the Western medical system and seeing how that works. And unfortunately, that's still a really big gap in terms of how we how we care for each other and how we care for our Indigenous communities in Canada. Obviously, as you can tell, and if and anything really, um, we still have a lot of work to do. And that's part of the reason why I'm bringing this up is you know, if you can, if you can learn a little bit about the culture, if you can learn a little bit about our language, like I said, it really does go a long way in connecting with our Indigenous uh, communities and helping to show that you are someone that will be a helper, will be a helper and that they won't need to be afraid of you. I know that probably sounds really strange to some of you if you're not used to thinking of being afraid of your healthcare provider, but this is still a real problem and a real issue within so much of how our Indigenous communities interact with the various systems, not just the healthcare system, but the legal system and the political system, pretty much every system that is inherent in Canadian life is to some degree still stacked against our indigenous communities. And I even think of a, you know, someone someone that I know who shared her story with me of basically being treated as if it was assumed that she was for lack of a better term, um a drunk Indian and therefore there was no need to look into her health concerns any further. And it, like I said, these are there's so un, sadly there, these are just two stories of, of many stories. And so if you're not familiar with this, if you don't know about the Truth and Reconciliation amend statements and what that actually means and some of the things that are written there, I highly encourage you to look into that because that's another piece that's huge in terms of understanding why our Indigenous communities feel that these things are not being addressed and they haven't been addressed and still need to be addressed. And remember that the last residential school was only closed, I believe it was in the 1970s. And actually, I think it was later. It was actually, I think the 1990s. Even I see, even I have to go look it up again. But we tend to think of residential schools as a long throwback to the past when really it isn't. And we still have huge issues around our murdered, missing Indigenous women that are not being looked into. These are all parts of this bigger puzzle that play into why our Indigenous communities have such a hard time trusting the 
healthcare system and other systems in Canada. And these are some of the things that can be done to help to bring that that conversation around to bring it to a different place where we can actually start to have more open, honest conversations about these things. And like I said, where a good a really good place to start in addition to some of these other places I just mentioned is starting to understand the culture and the traditions and the language. If you are someone who wants to be an ally to the indigenous communities and wants to work with our indigenous communities more closely. I think I will leave that there for today. I know I covered a lot of different topics and like I said, these will go more in depth into so many of these things because I do tend to forget that there's still a lot of Canadians out there who don't know about our Indigenous communities, our Indigenous history, where things stand in terms of the Truth and Reconciliation Council, all these kinds of things that I honestly, to a certain extent, take a little bit for granted that I know them because I've grown up with them. It's something I've talked with my dad, with lots of others in our communities about at length. And so I'm really hoping that this ends up being a resource for those of you who do not know these things and do not understand where our Indigenous communities are coming from when we say that we're tired and we're frustrated and we still don't feel like we can wholly trust uh, the medical system and other systems in Canada. It's not just a simple fact of getting over it and letting things go. It needs to be more of a conversation. It needs to be more of an understanding. And I think if you start to really look into these pieces and understand where we're coming from, then you can understand why it's not just a simple matter of getting over it and as unfortunately I've still heard many people say stop taking handouts from the government when will that be over and various other unfortunate statements that I've heard people make that just simply don't understand why indigenous communities are still suffering and why things are still the way they are. It's not a matter of most Indigenous people being lazy and wanting to live off of the government and live off the systems. We want to be self-sustainable. We want to be able to take care of ourselves. We want to be able to do these things. And if you actually legitimately want to be a part of the conversation and a part of the solution in this regard, then I highly encourage you to look into these things and really educate yourself on what it is that's going on, what has happened in the past, and how that informs where we are now and where we are going if nothing changes. That being said, I really do hope that helps to highlight some things for you and helps to open up some of these concepts for you. If you have questions about it, if you have comments about it, as I've said before, please do leave them. It really does help me to understand what content is connecting for you, what sorts of things that you want to hear about. I'm always happy to take your suggestions. With that, I hope you have a great day and a healthy day, and I will talk to you guys again soon. Thank you, Nyawa, for listening to Two-Eyed Seeing. Leave me a comment, and if you feel called to, please leave a review at iTunes and subscribe to this podcast. If you have questions about the episode or suggestions for upcoming podcasts, 
please reach out to me at www.sarahconnorsnd.com.